Uh, I want to welcome you if you're joining us from anywhere online right now. Um, I want to welcome people joining from California, Montana, Arizona, Oklahoma. We are having an Oklahoma small group uh, that will be in more Oklahoma. Sign up for that. And um, we're going to be having a Phoenix, Arizona small group soon as well. Um, one of our members that lives in Phoenix is going to be starting an online small group. So if you guys live out of state, out of town, or don't want to go to someone's house yet because of COVID, you can join an online small group. So there'll be an online small group that's going to start next week also. So all those things to say, those are your announcements. If you have a Bible, if you could turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 is what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to... Um, kind of wrap up this idea I started last week. And the idea I started last week is, is when this whole season began, this, this season, and you say, what season? Uh, 2020. When the season of 2020 began, uh, back in March, it was like March 8th, there were three words that God had put on my heart that I kind of um, didn't pay enough attention to and kind of forgot about. But those three words were these, these three words, uh, reset, revival, and then this weird phrase, uh, born again, baby boom. So reset, revival, and born again, baby boom. So what is a reset? And I talked about last week, how many of you grew up with a video game system that you had to reset often? Um, you know, my generation, it was the Nintendo Entertainment System, that beautiful gray plastic machine with the red reset button. So uh, reset. What, what is a reset? When we're talking about reset, we're talking about a going back to where things were supposed to be. Reset is when you get off track and you need to get back on track again. And so I think that this 2020 season has actually been a season of, of reset, that God is resetting us, getting us back on track. And I believe that we are actually experiencing, we talked about this last week, we're experiencing a shaking of our foundations we're experiencing a trial of fire and that everything that is not built on the foundation of Christ is being shaken and only things that are built on Christ will remain standing. I also believe that everything we hold on tightly to that is not of Christ while we're being tested and tried through a trial of fire will be burned up and burned away. And so God is resetting us. And some of you kind of have asked me, like, do you think that period of resetting is done or over? And the answer is no. I think that God is still resetting us. And so if there's an area of your life that you need to be reset in, I would encourage you to allow the Lord to reset you to where you were supposed to be. Uh, the next word was revival. So reset and revival. Revival is a word that typically... Um, we affiliate in Christianity with like a big tent, a big worship event, a big move of God's power, and all of those things can be revival. But when we're talking about revival now, I believe God is bringing about a season of revival, a revival meaning where your passion is revived again, where maybe your passion had died, but God wants to revive the things that have died God wants to revive the things that are dead and dry in your life. God wants to bring about a passion of fire. He wants to bring about revival. And the revival that we talked about last week was a revival that starts here. Where's here? It's our heart. Revival starts in our heart. And I can see around our nation right now, there are a lot of uh, self-proclaimed revivalists that I support, by the way self-proclaimed revivalists that are going to bring revival to cities. 
And while I support those things, I'm actually here to tell you that someone doesn't need to come into your community to bring revival because revival is already here. Revival exists where the spirit of the Lord is. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Bible says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And so revival starts in our heart. And so oftentimes when we look at revival, some of you might say, yes, this particular political group or party or this particular sect or people group, they need to experience revival. But I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 you need to experience revival. You need to experience revival. And if you're looking into the hearts of other people, expecting them to experience revival, then you need it more than you could ever imagine. Revival starts here on the altar of your heart. And God wants to burn a flame of passion again. And so we're being reset. God's leading us into revival. And that third phrase we talked about was this phrase, born again, baby boom. Raise your hand if you're a baby boomer. Raise your hand. I don't know if you are, Greg. I don't know. You, you are? Okay. Millennial, maybe? Okay. So if, you, if you're, uh, raise your hand if you're, if you're a boomer. One, raise your hand real high if you're, okay, boomer. I see you. Some of you raising, dad, you're actually too old. You're two years too old. I, we talked about that. Like, it means you were born from 46 um, to like 69 or something like that. So some of you are, I said last, last week, like some of you are actually boomers and you think you're Gen X and you're not. So when someone says, okay, boomer, they're actually talking to you. And, and some of you who thought that you were like um, Gen X, you're actually a millennial. And so what is a boom, a baby boom? Um, after World War II, there was an influx of births, 76 million babies born in the United States of America in this baby boomer generation, the largest generation to ever be born in our country, um, only comes close to the millennial generation, uh, the generation of people just, just a year shy of myself. So, so there was a baby boom. And I, I really had this idea put on my heart that as the world goes through COVID or whatever we're going through this year, that, that the optimism we could have as we go out of this season would be a born-again baby boom of new believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that we must be born again, and so to be born again is to be given new life in Christ. And so I want to be reset. I want revival, but more than that, I want the reset and the revival to bring about a boom of new believers in Christ who put their faith in him. And so that's kind of a recap of what we talked about and then we, we kind of ended on just looking at, on a local micro scale, our church, what our mission and vision is as a church. Because so this, this coming year, we're going to be looking at our purpose as a church. We're going to be looking at our mission, at our vision. We're going to be looking at our DNA of what makes us unique. And so here's our mission as a church. And I actually have a kid come up and read it, if you could, because there's still kids here. I forget sometimes. So I need a kid to come and read our mission statement. Kid, I'm going to call on you. Where's Kendra? Kendra, you want to come read something for me? Oh, she's not even here. Kendra, okay. Um, Josh, come on up. Come here. We're going to read this. So our, our mission statement as a church is this. Josh, if you don't have it memorized, inscribed on your heart, you can, you can read there. So this mission is this. To connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. Yeah, so stay here, Josh. So you read some else. So, so he says this is a mission. This, is, this should be the mission of every 
Jesus following church is just to connect people to an everlasting committed relationship with Jesus and with others. Josh, is there a kid you want to pick on to read? Kylie, you want to come read? He called on you. He Okay, so come on. Kylie's going to read a bit. So give Josh a hand. Thanks, Josh. Okay, so mission to, to connect people to an everlasting committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. So vision uh, is this. So this is, our, this is our vision as a church. So focus here. Kylie's going to read that in a minute. So do you know what? To be a multiplying movement, a what? Of passionate. Oh, <laughs> of passionate followers of Jesus who impact, impact their, communities. their communities and beyond with grace, love, and hope. Thank you, Kylie. So to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact their communities and beyond with grace, love, and hope. So this year we're talking about passion. We're going to talk about passion all year long. What does it mean to be passionate? And so as a church, we want to be passionate followers of Jesus who, who multiply, who don't just impact their communities, but impact communities outside of their communities. And, and this last week, talking with two people who attend our church in other states who literally want to start our churches in their states, I, these are things we never thought about, this idea of multiplying to multiply a movement of people who are passionate about Jesus and want to connect others with Jesus as well. And so this year, we're going to be on a mission of connecting people with Jesus. And I desire to be a part of something where people are actually passionate, where we begin to impact people far beyond. I see my friend Stacy hiding up in the corner up there and her son Adam I saw earlier too. Okay, he's there. Okay. Um, these guys, man, Stacy, all week long, I've just had this passion to go to the Philippines again. I, I haven't gone. I know you have. And so, yeah, so I, I know they're actually, if you're watching from the Philippines right now, I know you actually are more restricted than we are. But, man, I, God was really telling me we got to go. We got we to go back. And so we can impact communities beyond with grace, love, and hope. There's people that need to hear the good news of Jesus. There's churches that need support and encouragement and financial backing. But these kind of things are going to take passion. And passion for most of us is going to come through reviving of our passion. Many of you, if you've just met Jesus for the first time, I would call that vival. That's a coming alive for the first time. But for those of us who have fallen asleep in our faith, we need a reviving of passion and passion about Jesus. We need to have revival in our hearts where revival starts. And, and really the world can't change unless our heart changes. Um, Nathan has a friend that's my friend now. His name's Anthony. He's visiting us from the foreign country of uh, Orange County and um, where, where it doesn't rain too much. And so uh, Anthony last night had an awesome conversation with my friend and mentor, Dr. David Manock and Phil Castaneda and Nathan Amerson about this idea that the world can't change unless our hearts change. The world around us, we want to try to fix things apart from Christ and we can do good things, but we can't do really good things apart from Christ. The world doesn't change unless our heart changes. And so God wants to revive and change our actual heart. And so someone doesn't need to come 
to bring revival, it, it happens here in our heart. The one who brings it is here. And so I started to think about passion. I started to think about things that we can be passionate about or things that come to mind when you think of the word passion. And let's just go here for a second. Kids, again, I would love for a kid to tell me what comes to mind when they think of the word passion. And be real graceful for them, by the way. But this will be interesting. Uh, which kid? Kendra? Oh, she speaks. Wow. So Kendra says when she thinks of passion, she thinks of passion fruit. Who likes passion fruit? Yes, okay, it's passion fruit. What comes to mind when you think of the word passion? Addison, what comes to mind when you think of the word passion? Really nice stuff that's pretty. Also what? Nature, yeah. Isn't that, think about things. Things, this is what, Addison, you're seven? So a seven-year-old girl, when she thinks of passion, she thinks of things that are beautiful, things that are pretty, things in nature. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Who else? What comes to mind when you think of the word passion? Morgan, you're not quite a kid, but let's run with it. Your brother usually raises his hand for these two. Runs in the family. Go for it. Fire. Yeah, that's exactly what I think of, too. And that's why our logo for this series is actually a heart on fire. Passion is something that burns within you. And usually when we think about passion in our culture, we think about sexual things or romantic things. But passion is anything that you burn within about. And so what are some things that you've been passionate about before? What are some things that you have really allowed to burn in your heart with passion? I know, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, like, let's, let's just... Uh, self-deprecate over here. Um, for me, like, I think whenever a new iPhone comes out, like, I have to get the next one. And, like, there's, like, a passion that burns in my bosom that it's time to, that, that if I don't get the next one, my passion won't stay alive. Now, I know that's ridiculous, but I know you think the same as well. Some of you, it's like, it's the same. The, the same passion burns in your bosom for the next season of Call the Midwives. Is that what that show's called, Susan? Okay. Okay, I thought so, because, wow. Um, what are some things that you're passionate about? What are some things that you're passionate Maybe some of you are passionate about the idea of retirement. Darren? Yes, okay. <laughs> passionate about things. Some of you are passionate about dogs. It's the dog church today. Uh, I'm passionate about my dog. He didn't want me to leave today. Carmen, I saw you make eye contact with me. Um, so what are you passionate about? What are the things you're passionate about, things that make you come alive? And I started to think, man, I wish I had the passion I used to have. I wish I had the passion I used to have about things. And I wrote down a list of dates that were passionate dates for me. June 19th, 1999, uh, it's my, my wedding anniversary. My wife and I have been married for 21 and a half years. And I know we look like we're not that old, but we are. But on June 19th, 1999, not only did I have a passion for my wife as I committed to her in marriage, but literally God saved me on that day. I experienced new life in Jesus on that day, and I can remember very specifically the passion I felt about faith in Christ. In the year, in the year 2000, I had a dream. Uh, I had a dream. I, I had questioned my faith, and if I was good enough to belong to Jesus, if, if, if I was 
pure enough or holy enough or, or, or righteous enough for him to accept me. And that's, that's not how the gospel works. And so I had this dream. And in the dream, I walked before the throne of God. And in the dream, God spoke to me and said, Anthony, you belong to me. And I woke up in an instant. And from that moment on, I was assured of my salvation, not because of anything I had done, but because God had saved me. I was passionate about God on September 11th, 2001. How many of you remember that day? Um, the country burned with various passions that day, but on that particular day, I started to discover and walk in some spiritual gifts I had not walked in before. I was very passionate about the power of God. In July of 2003, uh, God called me into ministry. I was very passionate about ministry. In 2007, God began to give me dreams and visions for what church could be like. I was very passionate about that. In 2011, I had this amazing encounter with God while worshiping. The passion, I remember it specifically. In 2017, um, had this amazing, passionate prayer encounter with God. When was the last time you were passionate about God? When is the day? What, like, I actually have days. Didn't you? you have days that were just so impactful that God changed your life so radically that, that you want to have that again anybody have it like you can actually remember a day a passion at you can elaine anybody else like really like who remembers a day where god touched you so much and you want that fire to ignite on the altar of your heart again a day a month a year you see passion is to be experienced daily and so some of you um i, I was thinking about like i want that day to happen again but how many of you know, like, real relationship and real love, it's not just one day on the calendar. It's something that revives daily. And so the passion I have for Jesus, I want it to be revived every day. Not, I don't want to think about, well, September 11th, 2001, or back when things were good, back in the good old days when, when the church was on fire. No, these things can happen daily. I've met so many amazing older saints of the faith, and they look back to decades before, and like, back then, things were really good. I want you to know things can be really good now. Things can be really good now. We don't have to look backwards to good days. We can look ahead to good days that we can have now in Christ. Luke 24, 32. I need another kid to read. Morgan, that's not you. Um, Luke 24, 32. I need a kid to read. Kid to read, scanning, scanning, scanning. Too old, Micah, quit looking at me. Uh, need a child to read. Josh Mumy, come on up. Come on up. We're thrilled to have Josh visiting today. He is home from serving our nation in the United States Navy. He just learned how to read. Um, thank God for Allie taught him. And um, okay, so think you can do it, Josh? Okay, so Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, Do not our heart burn within us while we talked to us on the road, while he opened us, while he opened to us the scriptures. Yeah, so did, read, read that part again, that did not, did not our hearts. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road. Yeah, think about it. So did not our hearts burn. So you've been married for how long? A week? How long? Like six months now? Uh, a, little over. a little over six months. So like this idea, you can have a seat, Josh. Uh, this idea of passion, like he's a, this is a newlywed. And here 
This, this guy, Cleopas, a disciple of Jesus, and his wife, they're talking about when Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus with them, where they said, did not our hearts burn within us when Jesus talked to us on the road? And so think about a passionate moment with Jesus where he burned within you and all you wanted to do was to live for him. So when was the last time you were passionate about something? When was the last time you were passionate about something? One reason we see so much unrest in our nation today, and there's reasons that are good and reasons that are bad for unrest. But one reason we see so much unrest in the world today is because of what I would say misplaced passion. Not a lack of passion. There's things that we should be passionate about. But if Christ is not the thing that we're most passionate about, the other things become misplaced. And because we're not falling into order of the way of peace that God has called us into, we can experience unrest because our greatest passion is not Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, if your greatest passion is a political party or a political candidate, you're going to be having a misplaced passion every day and your life's going to be very unfulfilled. Because no political candidate will give you what your heart actually wants. Amen? No political candidate will give you what your heart longs for. It only comes from Jesus Christ. That's where our passion has to be focused towards. And you can love your country or love your political party and do all these things, but I'm just telling you, if Christ is not what is the focus on the altar of your heart, and if, if he is not the center of your passion, this other stuff doesn't matter. It just doesn't. That's why Jesus says, trust me with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge and all make straight your path. I think that if the world was as passionate about Jesus as they were about fill in the blank, there'd be a lot more peace today. If the world was as passionate about Jesus as they were about X, Y, Z, this would be, 2020 would be a lot different. It would be unbelievable. So if your passion is misplaced, if your passion is out of focus, if you're looking for something to be passionate about, look no further than Jesus. Jesus is the one by whom all things were created and the one in which all things exist. Jesus loved us so much that he came to live and walk among us in the flesh. Jesus suffered he was tempted and he lived victoriously in every way. Only Jesus lived a perfect, obedient, sinless, spotless, just, loving life. Find passion in Jesus who laid down his life for us, who offers to us forgiveness of sins. Find passion in Jesus who rose from the grave that we could have life. Find passion in Jesus who forgives who gives life, who gives relationship with God and loves us freely through a gift of grace. Put, find your passion in Jesus who offers you new birth and makes you a new creation in him. Put your passion in Jesus, the one who gives everlasting life. Put your passion in Jesus, the one who saves us for a purpose. I'll, I'll quote from, from memory, and I might mess up the exact wording, but it's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
It says, this is not your own doing. It's not a result of work so that no one may boast. And then in verse 9, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 9, it says this, for we are Jesus's workmanship. It says we were created by Christ for good works so that we might walk in them. And so if you're looking for something to find purpose in, if you're looking for something to find vision in, if you're looking for something to be passionate about, the Bible says that Jesus created us for good works. Some of us think that it's our good works that is what brings about passion and saves us, but it's not. Jesus saves us for good works. And so if you're lacking passion, if you're lacking purpose, put your eyes on Jesus and you'll discover the good works that he has already planned for you. You're not going to find those things outside of Christ. So make Jesus your passion. Make Jesus your passion. Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? Does anybody know? Yeah, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when we find our passion in Jesus, Jesus gives us the desires of our heart. The iPhone 12? The next season of um, This Is Us, the crying show? I don't know. But, but greater stuff than that. Delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean he starts throwing stuff at you that you want in the flesh. It means that he actually transforms your heart so the stuff that he wants, you want. And when you really get passionate about Jesus, you start to have weird passions that were like, well, I didn't have these before. I actually want to read the Bible. I actually want to be in community. I actually want to serve other people. I actually want to be in ministry. I actually want to go to church. I actually want to worship. I didn't have these things before. That's because when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Here's where we'll wrap this up, guys. The problem with all this is, is that so many of us get so used to Jesus we get so used to taking his salvation for granted. We get so used to taking advantage of God's grace. We become so entrenched in doing good things and doing church, doing church things, that our passion for Jesus fizzled out right along with the passion for everything else in our lives. So how many of you ever had a passion for Jesus and that passion at one time in your life fizzled? The passion went away. You say, why does that happen? It's because our culture tells us that to be passionate about something always, that you have to fall in love with someone. Or, or somebody needs to make you happy in order to be with them in relationship. But if you've been married longer than a minute, you know that your spouse is not always going to make you happy. If you've been married longer than two minutes, you're going to know that you can love your spouse, but this idea of falling in love kind of comes in waves, that things that you're passionate about, they're not steady. They come and go. And so we find ourselves losing passionate about the things that we get used to. And so many of us have lost our passion for Jesus. And because we've lost our passion for him, it's no wonder that we're so apathetic. It's no wonder that we see so little change in our world. And it's no wonder that we feel such little joy and contentment. So how many of you had a marriage where you say, there were times where I was not as in love with my spouse as I had been other times? Everyone who's married, say, that, that's me. Keep your hand down, Susan. 
you see, the feelings are roller coasters, right? Like when an emotions are good, they, they speak the language of the heart. But when an emotion becomes your God and you follow your emotions, you're in trouble. Because feelings are fleeting, they come and go, but love stays the same. In fact, the Bible says love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never ends. Mike was asking me about our love shirt over there. He's like, why does our shirt say, what's all that about bears? Well, Mike, love bears all things. We're all about bears at Fellowship Church. Love bears all things, believes, hopes, endures, never ends. Falling in love ends, and it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. It's a roller coaster, but love never ends. And so here's the verse I told you to turn to. It's Revelation 2, verse 2 through 5. Revelation 2, 2 through 5. When you lose your passion for Jesus, what do you do? When your passion for Jesus fizzles out, what do you do? And we can apply this to marriage as well, by the way. When you lose your passion for your spouse, who's amazing, who's beautiful, who's lovely, who works hard, who is kind to you, but when you do lose your passion for your spouse, and you will, what do you do? When passion fizzles out, when, if revival is supposed to start here, but if it starts to fizzle and die, what must we do to reignite the flame again? What, what do we do for the, the, that altar of our heart to burn with passion about Jesus if we lost our passion for Jesus? And if you've ever found passion for Jesus, you will lose it, and there are steps to get it back. We'll talk about more next week, but here's the one we're going to talk about today. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is speaking through the apostle John. He is writing a letter to seven regions of churches in modern-day Turkey. He writes this one thing to the church in the city and the region of Ephesus. And he's like, hey, guys, you're doing some good stuff. Ephesians 2, verse 2, he says, I know your works. You guys got some good works. I know your toil. I know you work hard. I know your patient endurance. You guys are patient. You're enduring. Way to go. I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You guys, you, you, you point fingers and say that's evil and this is good. Good job. It's good that you recognize good and evil. He says, I know that you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. So you guys have some theological soundness about you. You can recognize false teachers. Good job, guys. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So you guys are doing good things. You're doing good evangelism. You're, you're having good revival meetings. You're doing good work in your community. You're really looking out for false teachers. But, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Some of your translations will say, you have forgotten your first love. A lot of times in Proverbs, it says like, hey, don't remember or don't forget the wife of your youth. Continue to remember the one you fall in love with. Here, Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus, he's like, you guys have some good stuff going on, but you forgot about your first love. That's Jesus's way of saying your passion in me is starting to fizzle. You're going through the motions, but I wouldn't call this a movement. 
you're, you're doing good purposeful things, but I wouldn't say that you have passion. You know the right stuff, but you, you kind of forgot about actually knowing me. So you're doing good things, but, but you forgot your first love. And he actually gives a solution. I, um, there's a couple theologians in the house. You can correct me later. But this is one of the few times where Jesus gives really direct, uh, pragmatic advice about what to do when things have gone wrong. Um, I'd say it's, it's one of the maybe three. Jesus says, okay, here's the problem. Here's actually how you fix it. Usually it's just like, follow me. And you're like, that's awesome, Jesus. But sometimes following Jesus means we have to take some right steps to get back in step. So Jesus says, here's what I want you to do because you forgot the love you had at first. Verse 5, Revelation 2, verse 5. He says, remember, repent, and do. Remember, repent, and do. Remember what? He says this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So can you humor me for a minute? Close your eyes so there's no distraction, no looking around. If you've ever had passion for Jesus before, and you feel like that passion has fizzled out, listen to the words of Jesus. Remember from where you have fallen. What Jesus is saying is, remember June 19th, 1999, Anthony. Remember September 11th, 2001. Remember that dream I gave you in, in, in July of 2000. Remember when I called you into ministry in July of 2003. Remember that moment that you experienced so much clarity of vision in 2007. Remember that amazing passion you felt in worship in 2011. Remember that amazing prayer encounter you had in 2017. He says, here, I want you to remember what it was like. I want you to remember that, that time when you walked when, when things were closer, when, when we were more in love, when things were more passionate. You say, remember. Remember what it was like, and I want you guys to do that. Remember. Remember that, that ignition on the altar of your heart. Remember what it was like. Remember from where you fell. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, remember when I backed away. Remember when I pulled away from you? He doesn't say that because Jesus is, is the only lover we'll ever have that doesn't pull away. He says, remember from where you moved away. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember, 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 remember. What year was it? Remember. And he says this, after you remember, here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent. I want you to repent. Well, repentance means turning purposely away from something and turning towards something else. In relation to this, Jesus says, remember what it was like when you were passionate for me? I want you to repent of that. He doesn't say, I want you to feel condemnation. He doesn't say, I want you to wallow in the grief of that. He doesn't say, I want you to feel defeated. He says this, I want you to remember it, remember it, remember it, and then repent. Just, yeah, God, 
I'm not where I should be. That's what repentance is. I acknowledge I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And you can use this in marriage. It's actually the most practical marriage help in the entire Bible. Remember what it was like when we fell in love and then repent of it. We're not where we should be. That's all repentance means. We're not where we should be. We're going to turn away. We're going to turn back towards each other. So remember, repent, and then listen to the final instruction of Jesus. He says this, do. Do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. So we can make this a little easier to understand. Like I'll, I'll, I'll talk with marriage, uh, with couples in, in crisis in their marriage, and I'll say, okay, remember what it was like that first time you kissed. Remember what it was like that first time you held hands. Remember what it was like when you had that date spot on Tuesday nights. Remember what it was like when you used to stay up talking all night. Remember, now repent. It's, it's, not, it's not where it should be. And do what you did at first. Start going to that place on Tuesday night again. Start holding hands again. Start kissing again. Start talking and staying up all night. And Remember what it was like and start doing it. So Jesus says the, the passion's gone out. You forgot your first love. And if you want to get it back, he says, remember where you used to be. Acknowledge it's not where you're supposed to be now. And just start doing that stuff again. What is it for you? Is it scripture? Is it serving somewhere? Is it spending time with people who don't know Jesus? What was it like when you came alive? Remember, repent, and do. Remember, repent, and do. Remember, repent, and do. And you can have a revival of passion. And the fire of passion can burn on the altar of your heart one more time. Next week, we're going to talk about dead, dry bones coming alive. And we're going to talk about soaked, wet altars catching on fire. But this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember. I want you to repent. And I want you to do. God, I thank you for your word. God, this year, as we devote ourselves to being reset, would you please reset us to do what we used to do? This year, as we focus on revival, may that first and foremost be a revival of passion on our hearts. Jesus, as we seek people being born again into becoming new creations with you, I pray that that would be birthed out of our reset and birthed out of our revival as your grace would come and save those who put faith in you.